This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. It is Pritingwenya on your airwaves, standing in for Ugamelite together with Ugamelite Bovane and uh, Karabo Asala on the COVID report. Now, since the start of um, the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, uh, both observation and randomized studies have evaluated uh, Eva Mactin. So that's Eva Mactin as a treatment for and as prophylaxis against COVID-19 infection. Now, I want to hear from you as well. What helped you in this case? What was your uh, will? What was your way of making sure that you survived COVID-19? I do recall that a lot of us uh, reverted to your gingers and, you know, your ginger tea, making sure that you have a slice of ginger before you sleep, steaming, the list is endless. The South African Health Products um, Regulations Authority, also known as SAHPRA, has aligned with the United States when it comes to Food and Drug Administration, uh, call to not use the Evermectin for the treatment of COVID-19. Now, in this stance, it reflects that in the um, SAHRPA statement dated on the 28th of January 2021, it also outlines SAHPRS as uh, views on Evermectin and controlled um, compassionate use program. Now, during an interview with the media outlet, Boitumelo Semete Makokotela, who is the CEO of um, SAHPRA, to clarify on the usage of Eva Macton. Now, let's take a listen in terms of what she had to say. We were quite concerned when we saw um, this clip that we had authorized Avermectin for COVID-19. That's indeed uh, not correct and hence our quick response because we need to ensure that the public has the right information, the correct uh, information regarding this. So from a regulatory perspective, our view still remains to be that there's currently a clinical equipoise position, which means that we have insufficient evidence to say that this product works for the management or for prof- as a prophylaxis for COVID-19, but also there is insufficient evidence to say it doesn't work. And hence, in January of this year, we implemented the access control program, and that program continues to stand. Mm. Now, that is Boitumelo uh, Simete Makokotela, who is the CEO of the South African Health Product Regulation Authority and she was just further clarifying on the point of Evermectin which is one of the treatments that has been forbidden when it comes to COVID-19 in terms of how it reacts and in terms of how everything unfolds. And on the line we are joined by Dr. Tainim Hinga who is a medical practitioner for many years with a special interest in men's health and travel health as well. A very good afternoon to you Dr. Tainim Hinga. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Now, just to begin the conversation and maybe just to further shed some light in terms of what exactly Ivermectin is and how it is used. Look, this drug, which is known as Ivermectin, it's a, it's a very good drug, but for one people's only, which is an antiparasitic. Okay, so antiparasitic was actually designed to be for use, you know, in the in the in the, in the, in the you know in the veterinary section, you know, to treat par- and parasitic infections. And uh, a person like myself had had an opportunity to use it once on some of my patients who were infected by, you know, those. Uh, 
other sides that we hardly ever get in this country that affect human beings. That was the only time that I've ever used this drug on human beings. Uh, it was somebody who had gone to a place like Lusaka, uh, who had come back with a very high fever. And anybody who comes, who travels to those areas and comes back with that kind, with those kind of symptoms, the first thing that we suspect is uh, it's malaria. We did a malaria test and turned out to be negative. But the, the fever remained. And uh, then we did a test and we asked for parasites on the same day, parasitic test, which came out, it showed some parasitic uh, uh, infection, uh, which we don't see much around this country. And I think it was onyong onyong. And uh, it's a very small parasite that resides in the blood vessels. Uh, it flows to the blood. So Fortunately, there was a veterinary doctor that I knew, and I knew one of the virologists around Johannesburg, who used to be my professor. I contacted her, and she said, look, use avermectin. Go to the veterinary clinic and ask for an injection. I gave this gentleman an avermectin injection, and within four hours, everything was eliminated from the body. And the other usage that is, you know, when we use avermectin, it's even with uh, 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 people who have uh, uh, some scalp infection, which are of parasitic nature, and even on the skin, you can use it on the skin to treat the parasite. But unfortunately, people tend to think that it's something that one can use as a treatment for corona. And I'm sure this is where your interest lies. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you're speaking about um, ivermectin as something that is quite useful. Uh, at the same time, it does have its side effects as well. Now, is it something that is safe? And maybe if we can just look at pregnant women as well, is it acceptable for them to use it um, who have COVID-19? It's something that should never be used. We've lost quite a few patients who've been... Uh, you know, remember when uh, uh, vaccination started? Mm. against coronavirus. And there are some people who came with a lot of stories which had no scientific basis at all to say that if you use a vaccine, then people are going to take you, you're this and this and this and that. We're all going to become zombies. And the most people jumped onto Avermectin. It was brought here in the country, and which was actually an illegal. Uh, it was brought here illegally. And uh, they had to apply with SAPRA, to see if there was justification for using a avermectin for human consumption. And the answer in the initial stage, stage said, no, it's not suitable for human use. In the first place, it's not registered for human consumption. Secondly, there's not even a dosage. And thirdly, there are no known documented side effects and complications. Because remember, with every drug that you use, you have to know what dosage you are dealing with here. You have to know if in case you overuse the drug and you go you go into what you call a toxic state, what can you use to try and deal with those side effects? And there was nothing, there was no documentation for that. And of course Sapra had to withdraw and say, look, you cannot use that drug for for treatment for uh, for corona. And then of course some people on their own decided what they'll go ahead and use it mm. themselves. But it's something that I will never 
I've not prescribed that for any of my patients, and I don't think there's any room for anyone uh, to use it for treatment of COVID. Yeah. Now, are there any maybe um, some recommendations on the use of your therapeutics for COVID-19? Other than... Other than... <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, look, you know, with COVID-19, it's very clear. What are we dealing with? You know that you're dealing with the virus that you cannot touch with medications per se. Mm. We wait on the sideline to look at the complications uh, or the symptoms that prevent the patient will present with. But of course, the complex presentation for COVID infection is fever, it's a headache, it's muscle aches, it's coughing, it's a sore throat, muscle aches, and uh, many other smaller presentations that you can find. It's, it's probably the symptoms are not much different from those of flu, except that they are slightly more exaggerated. So so when we treat, we target those symptoms. So it's a symptomatic treatment. And when the patient is dehydrated, of course, you have to deal with that. When there's difficulty breathing, you have to assist the patient to open up those air channels so that he can get uh, oxygen. And you have to monitor the amount of oxygen that the patient person has. And I think that is what is very critical because majority of those who get it, uh, affected by COVID, it affects their lungs, affects their breathing. That's why most people lose the concentration, I mean, you know, the concentration of oxygen. The oxygen, oxygen will drop from around 98 to anything below 90. And then we know that the patient is, of course, uh, facing a very terrible situation. So we have to assist that kind of person to try and get enough oxygen. And of course, you deal with the rest of the symptoms. The most important, of course, the second important in line is, is the fever. You have to make sure that that fever disappears as soon as possible. Stop the cough, treat the infection that they have, because sometimes they get secondary infection, particularly in the, in the throat, in the lungs. So you have to deal with that. You have to use antibiotics to try and deal with that. So, so th- those are the things that you basically use. And of course, you have to use something that can enhance the elimination of the symptoms, which is a, a, a steroid. And you have to use them for a, a limited period of time. You cannot use the steroids all the time. So you start with heavy dosages and you start reducing the dosage as the patient improves. So that's how you manage a, a person with, a, with COVID. I, I think the one thing I can gauge from our conversation this afternoon is that you are advocate of saying not to use uh, Evom Tech. <laughs> and on that note, I just want to know maybe what are some of the clinical side effects of using Evom Evom Tech? Uh, okay, make, make it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, you, you people start getting sometimes they get delirious. And they have also developed what we call secondary muscle aches, and they have abdominal pains. Uh, and they start, uh, you know, uh, the majority of the patients that will develop these kind of things, because you don't even know what the dosage is. Uh, and they, you, you tend to overstep the dosage when well, there's a dosage. I can't even say how much is the right dosage, because it's not used for human consumption. But people have come back complaining of severe headaches, of uh, severe muscle aches, uh, abdominal pains, and sometimes getting a bit delirious, and which also confuses, because those are basically the symptoms that we we dealing with with a person who has COVID. 
it also can be very can give a very confusing picture. So it's better to stay away from it. You know, my next question was going to be further going into how much is good enough for human consumption. But I mean, quoting you once again, saying that it's not for human consumption. Where would you categorize it? Would you say that it's something that was never supposed to be designed or does it have an actual use for it that it needs to dig no, no, to? There is, there is a, for use, yes. For use with the parasite. COVID is not a parasite. We know that it is, that, that is very clear. We're dealing here Look, let me give you characterize the organisms that affect us. The common uh, organism, it's a bacteria, followed by viruses. And then we have the fungi. And we've got some, some smaller and organisms that will almost like resemble a bacteria, but they're not. It's like they're broken down products of a bacteria. It's standing somewhere between a virus and a bacteria. So we know that... The, if you have, for example, if you come to me with an infection on the skin, okay, or any other place, let's all destroy, for example, we know that it's, the chances are it's a bacterial infection. So we have to use what we call an antibiotics. If you come to me with a fever and I look around and looking for the infection with bacteria and I can't find anything, then the, the next suspicion is that of a virus. So we know. And, but this one, one thing about the to the virus infection. There is no medication that directly kills a virus. That's how we're struggling even today to kill something like HIV. We can't treat it, we can manage it, but we cannot kill the virus. Okay? Mm. And so is the coronavirus. We are not killing the organism. Maybe the, the virus will be disabled by your own immune system. Or a person who's gotten, who has gotten a, a vaccination, who has developed huge amounts of antibodies in the system, and that is what can deal with it and disrupt the growth of the of the of, of the multiplication of the virus in your body. So it's not something that you can say I'm taking this by tomorrow. I will have felt better because uh, this antiviral has actually killed the virus. It's not going to kill the virus. Now, maybe if I can just go back to the previous question then, if you are then suggesting that it is okay to use, but not for uh, specifically your COVID-19 in this case. Now, how much of Evermactin are we as human beings able to consume? But look, where it is used in the, in, on the light scale, it's on topic, topical application. But, but what do I mean by that? On the scale, on the scalp. That is where if you go to the pharmacy, you will find a vaccine that you can apply on the skin for those who've got parasitic infection or infection on the skull. Other than that, for human consumption, direct oral, what we call oral ingestion, there is none. It's not for human consumption. That's mm. what I'm saying. Mm. Because there is no known dose for any particular uh, 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 condition that you can use. Mm. And you said, I'm using other medicine to treat like, even for parasites, when you take it, it's something that is designed for animals. So we're actually pirating, or, or let me say, a big taking on, on, the, on the dosages that we're using for animals. Mm-hmm. So you do your own calculations with the help of a veterinary doctor who will tell you if a, if a horse takes this much, a horse with this amount of metabolic uh, uh, processes, it, 
maybe these dosage you can use. That is what you. That's why people rely on it for that for that purpose. But there is no dosage. I'm sitting here in front of me. I've got what we call a MIPS, which is an index of all the medications that are supposed to be used for 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 human consumption. Avermectin, it's not there as a tablet. Avermectin, it's not there as an injection. Mm. Unless if you go to the veterinary means, you'll be able to find it. So I can't even give you the dosage that I can say, it, this is the recommended dose. Yeah. People have used it once a week. I don't know what dosage it is <laughs> that they've been using. It's yeah. not clear to be understood. Yeah. And you can imagine, during at the height of uh, the third wave, I've had many patients who have uh, tried to use Avermectin, but to to no to no to no effect at all, and in fact, lots of patients died because they were trying to run away from the vaccine when there was all the big stories about the vaccine, and they went for 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 for, for Avermectin, and they ended up I've, I've lost friends, very close people that I used to play golf with. They were taking Avermectin. They are not here today, so I cannot I cannot I've never recommended for 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 human consumption simply because there's no known dosage. We don't even know how to treat the side effects. We don't even know how to treat the, the, the toxic effects thereof. Because like any other medication, if you go to suffer today and say, I've got tablet, small money, I want to need to be registered for for, 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 for your consumption. Those are the things that they want to see. And without that information, you're running a risk with mm. the law, yeah. with the medical law. Because you're using something that is not recommended for human consumption. Yeah. And, it, and it, like any other thing, if I use an aspirin, for example, mm. I can argue in the court of law that I've given this patient 300 milligrams, the maximum that I can give to a person of 70 kilograms is 600 milligrams. So I know that I cannot go beyond that. Get a sense? So even in the court of law, I can come out. But the court will, will be very unsympathetic with any doctor who decides on a dosage that is not prescribed, is not recommended. Yeah. You know, it's quite baffling, although what I'm going to say is a conversation for another day because most of our medication and most of our, any sort of thing that we consume that needs to be created, maybe at a, at a lab or scientifically, uh, requires it to go through the process of being tested on the animals as well. But uh, maybe just not even getting into that and focusing on the conversation. Uh, we've spoken about your clinical side effects when it comes to Evermectin. And uh, now let's look at longevity. Maybe what are some of the long term term that human beings can face when taking any um, medical medicine meant for animals such as your Evermectin? Look, it's a very difficult difficult conversation because they're not as many, okay, when we share common medications in in antibiotics, for example, with animals, okay, Uh, in anti-inflammatories like Voltaren, we share the medication. It's the same thing. It's not that you use it at a much higher doses, dosages. Because you have to understand that our our clearance, one call it, don't use the tech clearance system in our body. It's not much different from that of animals. You know, animals too have liver. They've got a liver. They've got a kidney. They've got a, 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 a pancreas. So all these things, they help in clearing out whatever you take in your body break it down and, and you can actually measure what you call the half-life of the medication so that the medication should not accumulate unnecessarily in the system. Mm. 
that's why we decided, for example, I give you an antibiotic today at six o'clock. I know that antibiotic will work for exactly 12 to 14 hours. So I have to top up another dosage so that I can maintain a certain level of that medication for as long as I'm treating this for five days, for example. Now, anything that lacks that kind of information, in other words, people have really done enough work to determine the clearance of that medication from your system. So you're having a risk of getting into toxic levels. Let's assume that ivermectin, if you take it, and it's not documented, let's assume it stays for three days in your system. And then I give it to you today in the morning, I give it to you in the, in the evening, I give it to you tomorrow. That it's, an, it's a cumulative effect, which ultimately will actually destroy the very key uh, liver that is supposed to protect you in clearing up medication. I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. No, absolutely. Absolutely, I do understand that. Yeah, so so that, that's a problem. That it's, it's, so it's, it's a dangerous space to, be, to discuss because for me to discuss any medication, I have to know these basic things. What are you talking about? Mm. Uh, you are doing this. How long does it stay in your body? Do I have a reason to give you a tablet? Some tablets I give it to you for one day. It's once a day medication. Because if you take it twice a day, it's going to add up and add up until it reaches a certain level where it can destroy the very organ that you're trying to, it's, it's helping you to destroy so many things in your body. Understand? So one has to be very, very careful. And unfortunately, look, I, before I studied medicine, I studied what we call pharmacy. And mm-hmm. in that process, there was what we call pharmacology, which is the process of usage of medicines in your body, how they get metabolized in your system. Mm-hmm. That is a study of pharma, pharmacology. So you have to know, if you don't know what the drug does to the body, at least you have to know how long that medication can stay in your body. It's not, it's not by choice. You don't just, it's not a random thing to say, take one tablet three times a day or twice a day or once a day. No, it's something that has been stressed. People have taken blood and urine to look at the, 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 what we call the metabolism of that particular drug. And without that knowledge, you cannot, you, you don't have the authority to prescribe anything to a patient if you don't have that at the back of your mind. Yeah, no. Um, doctor, thank you so much for joining us. That is quite a lot. Uh, obviously, hi- highlighting and understanding the dangers that accommodate the use of um, Eva Macton. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Tiny Mihinga. You're welcome, my sister. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams by www.vafm.co.za.